Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Glad you're joining us today as we broadcast from Studio B at the headquarters for both of your favorite teams. I'm Sean Kelly, and Daniel Sowerson is our producer today. And we have a nice show for you as we take you inside the Saints locker room and we head up to Cleveland for our first look at the Browns on today's show. Two football games last night. We finally wrapped up the NFL weekend as we had the doubleheader on Monday Night Football. Interesting uh, results. Boy, oh boy, Eli Manning's uh, got some attention again, much like the attention he got last year. That's not of the good kind as the Giants fell to the Lions 35-14. to Interceptions played a role in that game. And then the dandy last night, boy, it was fun to watch the Cardinals and the Chargers go at it. And the uh, Cardinals used home field advantage to eke out a one-point win, 18-17. to And so with that, we have completion of week one in the NFL. So that means today we're going to go ahead and start looking at week two, especially as it regards the Saints and their matchup with the Cleveland Browns. Kevin Jones from ClevelandBrowns.com will be on the show with us this week, or today rather, to talk about this week. And we'll go into the Saints locker room as we visited yesterday in the locker room with Akeem Hicks and Josh Hill, the young tight end who is making his mark not only in the Saints offense, but more notably probably on special teams. That'll be good stuff as we'll visit with them as the Saints are dark today. There is no media access for the Saints on this Tuesday. This is the uh, the day off kind of in the NFL. And then it's back to work for everybody tomorrow. So good show for you today. Don't forget, you can always follow the show's lineup on Twitter at Black Blue Report, or you can follow me on Twitter as well at Sean Kelly Live. Let's go inside the locker room with Akeem Hicks when we come back. Lotto is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. From the neon lights of Shreveport, Bossier City, to the banks of Grand Isle, Lotto is your game. It doesn't leave the state, and there's nothing like it anywhere else. It's Louisiana fun just for Louisiana. Lotto, it's a whole lot of cash. Must be at least 21 to purchase. 
Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Ticket plans for the 2014-15 season are on sale now. There's a variety of packages for all fans, featuring half-season and 12-game options, including the ever-popular weekend plan that averages a couple of games a month. Packages start as low as $185. Visit pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP and take flight with your Pelicans today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Yesterday, of course, it's a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking for fans, media, and even the coaches and players, too. And with regard to the Saints' defense and their performance on Sunday in Atlanta, most of that conversation circled around the 23 missed tackles and the lack of pressure up front against Matt Ryan. Of course, there are many ways to look at the football game, and to help us do that, we checked in yesterday with Akeem Hicks, defensive lineman for the New Orleans Saints, in yesterday's Monday locker room. So now that you've had time to sleep on it, how, how different is it now as opposed to sitting in the locker room after the ball game last night? Oh, well, well now you've gotten a chance to actually look at the film and, and, and see the areas where you need to improve. And, um, you know, it, it's still today hard to pinpoint the exact areas where you need to get better. But I, I'd say that as a unit, as a defensive unit and as a team, we, we know that there's things that we can be better at and there's things that we can improve on looking towards the rest of the season. What was different as far as what you thought didn't go well yesterday as to what showed itself up on film or at least, you know, on your pillow last night? You know, there was, there was a number of things that, that, that can be improved upon. I, I really wish I could pinpoint one for you, but I just feel like, as a, just like I said, as a defensive unit, there are definitely things that we can get better at. There are definitely things that we can improve on, and, and as a team, we can we can come together and, and, and make something special here in New Orleans. Let's be honest. Matt Ryan had a hell of a day. There's no doubt. You know, so you, know, you have to tip your cap to him a little bit. The one thing that struck me was you guys seem so close to getting a hold of him on so many different occasions. I mean, how close is close as far as – you guys get your hands on them. You know, uh, almost only counts in horseshoes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's uh, it, it was a uh, it was a uh, it was a tell to say that we, we we got some pressure on him, but at the end of the day, it was still not enough to bring him down. And um, I think we had uh, one sack on the day, and it, it just that is not the uh, that that's not enough for us. And uh, you know, and, and it's cumulative. It's, it's it's not just one thing. It's it's a number of factors that go into to not being able to do what we needed to do yesterday. Was he just was he slippery or just couldn't get the time? Couldn't call it. I, I really can't call yeah. it. When you think about um, the grand scheme of things, did did I guess that the fact that you have 15 more help as far as hey look, let's all be real about what what an NFL season is all about. There is a way to quickly, I guess, get this taste out of your mouth. I would say this. I would say that um, there's 16 games in the season, and. Um, you know, you can look at it both ways. You can look at it as there's, an, there's enough time to improve, but there's also enough time to get worse. So uh, I feel like we got to approach it with the next game with Cleveland and, and come out and be, and be ready to perform this week through our practice and ready to get in the game and, and show what we can really do as a defense. I think every player that I've ever talked to is different about this. Do you go home and, and watch the coverage? Do you read the clips? Do you check out what goes on in the league, or do you just turn the whole thing off at the end of uh, Sunday? I'm impartial. I, I, I do a little bit of both. I can I can watch the sports center and I can I can do all those things, and I can watch our game tape over and over again. I feel that um that I know at the end of the day who we are and I know what we can do. So it, it really doesn't push me one way or another to watch cut-ups and read articles. Mm -hmm. Did you check out what else went on in the league yesterday? Definitely saw a little bit of it. Um, we, you know, after, after, after playing a game like that, a, a, a physical game, and, and, and not with the outcome, not having the outcome that you wanted, um, I, I definitely felt like I needed to sleep on that. So, <laughs> when you, uh, Whether it be yesterday or any other game, uh, how, much, how much of the other action do you want to check out? You know, 
can you over can you overdo it in the football or can you just not watch enough? I don't I don't think you can. I I feel like I'm uh, I'm, I'm you're a fan first, right? Yeah. You, you you know you grew up watching the game. I grew up watching the game, so you know it's it's kind of a a good feel for me to to just watch football in general. So you know, this is one of the things I do. What stuck out around the league to you yesterday? Oh, that Denver game. Yeah. Denver game, great game. Have you ever been to Cleveland? Yeah, yeah, I've been to Cleveland. We went there for the, uh, what was that, the rookie symposium, my rookie year. Well, the whole thing about playing at the dog pound, I know it's not the old place and all that, but thoughts about playing an opponent, I guess, that, I, you know, in some ways we don't normally get to see. Oh, yeah, well, you know, the Cleveland Browns have a rich history and, and uh, definitely looking forward to playing them. Thanks, Keem. No yep. problem. Yep. That's Akeem Hicks, of course, of the New Orleans Saints, and we'll continue our conversation with the Saints and tight end Josh Hill right after this quick break. Fans cheer on your Pelicans as they play their final preseason game against the Dallas Mavericks at the CenturyLink Center in Bossier City on Thursday, October 23rd. Prices start at just $9 from www.ticketmaster.com. While in town, enjoy the opening weekend of the State Fair of Louisiana, our numerous casinos, including the world-famous Horseshoe Casino, and Hotel. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at shreveport bossierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. Gatorade knows every victory starts from within. It's the determination to come up big when it matters most. But no athlete does it alone. They need training and fuel to perform. That's how greatness comes from within. Win from within. Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back. Still to come, our first look at the Cleveland Browns with Kevin Jones of clevelandbrowns.com. That'll come your way shortly. But we'll continue our conversation inside the Saints locker room with tight end Josh Hill. Hill, of course, is the third tight end on the depth chart. He had a great kickout block offensively and is involved in a number of different packages for the Saints offensively. But he's also a mainstay on special teams for the New Orleans Saints. Yesterday we got to know Josh Hill a little bit better. I love watching games where you seemingly make your mark and, and some of those key moments. There was a great kickout block you had yesterday. Every time I'm sitting next to John and there's a special teams play, I always go, well, there's, there's Josh again right there. I just I can't help but see you fly under the radar, but if you're really paying attention to the game, you're hard to miss these days. Yeah, I think they uh, move me around a lot, a lot on offense, and you put me in a situation where I can be successful, uh, do a lot of things I do well, and on special teams, you know, just there's a lot of fun with these guys out here. We're flying around trying to make plays, and um, I was you know, Devin Hester back there yesterday, <laughs> heightened sense of urgency, so uh, we made a play on him, and it was exciting. I didn't think Devin Hester still had that left in him. He he showed pretty well yesterday. Yeah, he did. Um, Especially as a punt returner, he's a, he's a scary dude back there. So, yeah. I think some guys, Josh, have, have trouble finding who they are or where they belong in the game, whether it be their niche or whatever. You seem to have almost embraced that a little bit. Yeah, it's something I came in here. I never really played special teams in college, um, but right off my my rookie year last year, I knew that that was my role, and I've learned a lot, and uh, I really just have. Have a lot of fun doing it, so it's been it's been easy and 
really just trying to continue to make my role grow, role grow. So uh, I think just making those kind of plays will help that happen. Has it been difficult? I mean, if you think back to being kind of a, a key or a more noticeable piece in college to what your role here is now, was that a difficult transition? It took some adjusting. Um, you know, college we ran the spread offense, so I was split out a lot, um, running a lot of routes. But, uh, you know, I've learned a lot in the run game and um, just the details of how we work here have helped me become uh, a more complete tight end, I guess, you know, being able to block. And a more physical one too, though, right? Yeah, yeah, I've put on some weight since college and uh, really learned what it's about to um, be able to contribute in the run game. Who's, who's kind of been a mentor to you as far as, I guess, making this transition or embracing this role? Uh, the other tight ends in the room. Um, you know, Ben Watson's been playing for a long time, so I really like to look at what he does, not just on the field, but off the field. And he's a really great mentor, just the way he handles, him, handles himself and his business. How do you get away from football? Tell me more about what's, what's outside of this locker room for you. Uh, it's my family. Yeah. Yeah, they have a growing family. They have a little boy. He's uh, almost one and a half <laughs> and a little girl due in January. So, yeah, we'll be busy, come, come pretty quick. So, uh, you know, on my off days, it's like relax my family, um, decompress a little bit. And it's, it's pretty easy when you get home and able to hang out with your little guy. You've got a lot of guys in here at different stages of fatherhood, um, which makes probably for some pretty good stories. Yeah, it definitely does. You hear guys talk about, you know, Ben, he has four kids, and he <laughs> he gets home, and it's just, you know, a madhouse. So um, the stories and the, the memories you make, um, you can't get any better than that. Do football players, and I'm not just trying to, Zero. I guess I am. I'm zeroing in on football players yeah. because I know how fatherhood changes other folks. How do you think it changes guys who work in kind of this surreal world? I think it makes you realize that, uh, I hate to say it, but uh, this is a business and that you've got to provide um, a, a life for your family. Mm -hmm. and. It, for me, it's made me more uh, more accountable to myself and my family, just because of um, who I have to provide for. So, when my kids got old enough that I would have to um, reprimand them or set yeah. them straight, yeah. I, I, I found it alarming and hilarious at the same time that a lot of the things that my father said to me. Now I was using almost the exact same phrase. And I know your uh, your boy is still very young, but um, what phrases from your childhood that your father I said or uncle or whomever do you think you'll probably end up involuntarily repeating my dad was always about <laughs> um, getting up and doing whatever you were doing to the best of your ability so I'm sure I'm going to be saying things like well if you're going to do it you might as well do it 100 percent you know so I can just see myself saying that and that's that's what I grew up grew up hearing from my mom and my dad so when you think about the future with your son, are, are, are you going to be the guy that's leading him to the football field, or are you a hunter or something else that you want to, that's where you'll find your father's son time? Uh, I, hunting is something I definitely <laughs> will do with my son, but uh, I'm not going to push him to play football. You know, it's just something I've enjoyed throughout the years. I play a lot of other sports too, so whatever avenue he wants to take, I'm going to support him. You know, my wife's the same thing. She's a big, she played softball in college, and I was a big baseball fan, still am, so... He can do whatever he wants, and my wife might push him to play baseball. <laughs>
I'm having trouble picturing a guy your size playing baseball. baseball. Yeah, first base, taking the first base. Well, call good. I see that, but but the thought of because I was a pitcher, the thought of you stepping in with a bat in your hand kind of frightens me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love baseball. It was, uh, it was actually my childhood love right there. Um, Home is where. Home's on the football field now, but yeah. But oh, I mean, where did you grow up playing baseball? Idaho. So we didn't get to play year round or anything, but. It was just something I loved. Idaho, the season was about three weeks long. <laughs> yeah, we played in the snow. You know, I remember uh, those first few weeks of high school baseball. We were, we had the tractors out there clearing off the snow. So, good times, huh? Yeah, it was. When you uh, now, now I get the hunting part because of course, guys here in Louisiana and gals too are way into it here in Sportsman's Paradise. It's a little bit of a different hunt up there in Idaho now, isn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of waterfowl. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of deer and elk. Uh, moose. I didn't do a lot of hunting when I was younger because I was always busy playing basketball, wrestling, um, baseball. But it's it's something that I really want to get into. I was going to say the hunting season kind of clashes with what you do right now. Exactly. Deer season, we'd have guys missing, you know, practices during fall camp to go get their deer, and it was just kind of it was just kind of accepted. So that's not too far off. Just up the road in Monroe, which is a high school football hotbed there um the first day of bow season i know for deer they just shut the school down <laughs> yeah it's like idaho during a uh, potato harvest uh, a lot of the schools get two weeks off just to go go work the fields uh, believe it or not we're actually going to play a game outside this week at cleveland is it has it hit you that you guys have yet to play a game out of doors yet <laughs> yeah it's kind of wild because you know coming from college you know we were always playing out in the cold and outside even though we did have a dome we played in a dome but we had a lot of cold games but you know I love playing outside just a little different feeling do you think the media or fans will make that a bigger storyline than it really is this week oh I'm sure yeah I'm sure I don't really know but it seems like it seems like that's always the deal what just because it's it's different than something new to talk about yeah exactly just something that you know, obviously we don't have an outdoor field, so just a story. I know you're from Idaho and you're used to the cold, but here's to playing Cleveland in September as opposed to November and December. <laughs> yeah, that is the truth. It's going to be, you know, the weather's going to be just fine. So all the best this week. Thank you. Hill and the Saints have it a little bit easier today. This is the Tuesday, of course, the regular Tuesday in an NFL week. Hill and the Saints back to work, full go tomorrow, of course, here on Airline Drive. When we come back, we'll start to look at the Cleveland Browns. That's next up for the Saints. And it's next up with Kevin Jones on the Black and Blue Report. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. 
Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report here on this Tuesday. It's not too soon to start looking ahead a little bit. And, of course, next up for the New Orleans Saints are the Cleveland Browns. That's a noon central kickoff from their ballpark in Cleveland on Sunday. And with that, we welcome in Kevin Jones, writer for ClevelandBrowns.com, who will help us start to look at the Browns here, even early in the week. Hello, Kevin. What's going on? Thanks for having me. I appreciate you being here with us. and No doubt we're all looking forward to uh, Sunday already. Both teams looking for their first win. And both teams, Kevin, kind of uh, looking at this past Sunday as perhaps a missed opportunity in tight losses. I know at least the Browns are thinking that. What an incredible showing by the Browns in the second half. I, you know, Because we're Cleveland and because the record here has been 5-11 and 11 or worse for the past couple of seasons, I don't know if there's a team in the NFL right now who's 0-1 who feels as good about themselves as the Cleveland Browns. Of course, Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger has played the Browns almost 17 times, I believe, and he's lost once. So we hate the word moral victories around here. Mike Patton said yesterday, there's no such thing. There's, there's a word for almost losing. It's, or, excuse me. There's a word for almost winning. It's called losing. No one's happy about being 0-1, but the momentum here is real. If that can be sustained for an entire game, um, uh, it, it should be a, a, a dogfight up here in Cleveland. That's what we're expecting. Um, a lot of things happened in the game. Brian Hoyer really got comfortable in the second half running the no-huddle offense. A couple of rookies stepped up at running back Terrence West and Isaiah Crowell. So there's some unlikely things that happened in the Steelers game that has a lot of people in Cleveland pumped up. A tale of two halves. I know that sounds cliche, but it certainly seems to fit for the way that the Browns played on Sunday. Why were they so listless in the first half, and how quickly were they able to turn around in the second? You know, that's the thing, and we're asking the players and the coaches this. There's really no secret formula or no reason to explain for coming out how flat they did. The Steelers marching up and down the field early and often. They threw an array of screen passes at the Browns to start the game and really tripped them up. Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, they were able to get some of their athletes in space. The thing about Cleveland is all offseason long, they've been preaching about how this defense was going to be improved, how the secondary had really been paid attention to. Dante Whitner, new safety from the 49ers, comes over. He's from Cleveland. He embraced his leadership role. They draft Justin Gilbert in the top ten. He had some big-time struggles in the game. The rookie was playing a lot. Um, him and Buster Screen are the they kind of um, share time as the second corner alongside Joe Hayden. So, there were some secondary issues that got corrected in the second half, and the corrections was the pass rush really stepped up. They sacked Ben Roethlisberger three times in the second half. Paul Kruger, Jabal Sheard, a lot of these names that the Browns have, Barkevius Mingo, not big names around the league, but these guys are athletic. Defensive line gets to, to, to stay in a rotation here. Guys are fresh, and that showed in the second half. And, and like I mentioned during your first question, the no-huddle offense was a big deal here. Brian Hoyer really stepped to the plate and, and made some plays. It was um, it, it was surprising to see him play that well after what happened in the first half and what happened in the preseason. Hoyer was battling Johnny Manziel. It's been well documented all throughout training camp. And Mike Pettin said that was mentally stressful for him, and I think that helped him in the second half. All the stress he put on him during the offseason, he put stress on himself to come back from an ACL injury, and he was able to do so. And like I said, there's a, there's some positive momentum here in Cleveland. There's not many teams who are 0-1 that are feeling really confident about themselves heading into Week 2. Is Hoyer still fighting for his job? I mean, 
you mentioned the preseason. It seemed like neither guy could win the job outright. So is that still a battle going on even in the regular season? Uh, that's a great question. I don't want to say yes or no to it. Um, Brian Hoyer is not being put on notice. There's, he doesn't have to look over his shoulder to see if Johnny Manziel is warming up. But that's kind of always been Hoyer's mindset. He's 28 years old, backed up Tom Brady for three years. Patriots draft Ryan Mallard. They kind of replace people in the system there. He gets put out on the streets, bounces around with Pittsburgh, bounces around in Arizona. Was the Browns' third-string quarterback last season before Brandon Whedon and Jason Campbell kind of lost their opportunity. So Brian Hoyer, yes, he's a veteran. He's 28 years old, but this was just his fourth start in the NFL last week against the Steelers. So he has really not earned – how do I say this? He has not earned um, – a security blanket where he's safe all season. If if he starts to struggle, if the Browns are 0-4, 0-5, there's going to be major pressure from the fan base and from some players in the locker room. Look, Johnny Manziel can make plays. He can make good ones and bad ones, but we need someone to make plays. I will say I think Hoyer's leash got a lot longer with his performance in the second half. He reminds me of Matt Hasselbeck 10 years ago with the Seahawks. Not very mobile, but smart, can run an offense, can figure out where a weak point is in a defense. And this is the third straight question. I brought it up. The no huddle in him really seemed to click. The Browns had 43 plays in the second half. 27 of them were um, out of the no huddle. So uh, we'll see if they come out against the Saints in that. A a lot of reporters here on the outside media are saying, why don't you guys run this the whole game? I think that might be on the table. That was my next question to Kevin Jones here from ClevelandBrowns.com since you've been kind of hammering away at it. Didn't Coach Pettin say yesterday that we can't sustain that for an entire game? He did, and and so did Hoyer. And, you know, I don't want to – I work for the Browns, and I'm not trying to say strategy here, but could that be we are going to do that? I don't know. It's on the table, and I'll say this, what Hoyer kind of revealed. Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator here, you know, the when he calls plays – it cuts off in the quarterback's helmet after 15 seconds. Kyle Shanahan kind of liked reading the defense himself, looking at the personnel groupings, and he got into such a rhythm calling plays in the second half. What's weird is the Browns trailed 27-3. They ended up rushing for 183 yards. A lot of this in the second half success-wise was from running the football, which is very weird in the NFL. Normally when a team comes back and they're trailing heavily, they're throwing the ball deep down the field. The Browns were really – kind of balance and maybe even more so rushing. So that's an interesting part to this no huddle scheme. The, the 183 yards were the most Cleveland's had since 2010. The commitment to running the football is real. We don't have an injury update on Ben Tate right now. He solidified himself as the start in the preseason, but Terrence West, a rookie, his first ever game at Heinz field in Pittsburgh, 100 yards rushing on 16 carries, Guy can hit home runs at Towson last year. He rushed for 2,500 yards. Um, Kyle Shanahan has said it all along. He reminds him of a more athletic Alfred Morris. He likes contact. I will say that no huddle is is a possibility right from the gates, and I think the Browns are going to mix it in a lot more than just the second half, so the Saints have to be prepared for that. Interesting. Both the Saints defense and the Browns defense last Sunday – had problems with missed tackles. How much of the conversation is circling around that on the defensive side of the ball for Cleveland? A lot, and that's going to be a point of emphasis this week. I think Pedden said it's 
going to be a more physical practice than, than they had anticipated. They want players to thud each other in practice is what he calls it, where you do wrap up and, and it's not two-hand touch and it's going to be more physical because he thinks, and, and I saw this too, players were just not in position to make the tackle and he thinks that's falling on the coaching staff for not preparing them well enough in practice. Um, Browns have an athletic defense. They, they get Carlos Dansby from the Arizona Cardinals, Joe Hayden, Dante Whitner. They have an underrated safety named Tashawn Gibson. Not many people know about this Browns defense has been in the top 10 the last couple of years. Tackling cannot be an issue going forward. It's something that has to be correctable. It hasn't been an issue here in years past. Part of the reason too, is it's week one. And I think you saw that around the league when teams that lost, they gave up big plays. There's new pieces to a lot of these defenses. They're trying to figure out who is where and, and you don't get that as much in a practice setting and preseason setting. So Definitely an issue here, and you said it's in New Orleans too, and that very well may decide the game. Yeah, there were some big plays that the Steelers had, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. If, if those could have been stopped in the first half, the Browns might have actually ended up winning that game. So missed tackling is definitely on the forefront here in Cleveland. Well, both teams go back to work tomorrow. I'm sure there will be more storylines to come out as we go along, and if you want to check out more with regard to the Browns, don't forget to check Kevin Jones at Cleveland Browns. Dot com. I know it's early in the week, but good stuff, Kevin, and I appreciate it very much. Hey, thanks for having me, and hey, let's go out. Let's uh, let's have fun this weekend in Cleveland. I know you come here sometimes and, and cover the Hornets. Hit me up. I'll, uh, I'll show you a good time. This town is, is on fire right now. I know the Browns are 0-1, but LeBron and Kevin Love, it's it's really a special time here, and uh, it's, it's been a joy so far to cover the Browns. I'll say this. I'm looking forward to going to Cleveland in September as opposed to January and February. And I'm I'm mad this isn't in New Orleans because I've never been there and uh, all I hear is it's the best party time possible. So, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll show you a good time. So, um, thanks for having me and uh, go Browns. Kevin Jones from ClevelandBrowns.com here on the Black and Blue Report. Back to wrap up this Tuesday show in just a moment. Smoothie King asks, what's your purpose? My name is Trish, and I want more balance in my life. I feel like all I do is rush from one place to the next and end up grabbing a burger along the way. And then I feel guilty, and I start thinking, I need to spend an hour on the elliptical, but I don't have time. I want to eat better. I want to feel better. That's my purpose. We can blend that. Find your balance with the new Greek yogurt smoothies naturally powered by Chobani. Find pleasure in your purpose at Smoothie King. Pelicans head coach Monty Williams, Anthony Davis, and your Pelicans have been working throughout the offseason to take this team to the next level. Individual game tickets for the 2014-15 season go on sale tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Make sure to score your tickets early to check out the biggest matchups and see the biggest stars in the NBA. The best seats for premier games are going to go fast. Visit pelicans.com and take flight with your Pelicans today. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com. Your first stop when following your teams. Don't forget, we're right back here tomorrow for the Black and Blue Report on the usual outlets, iTunes, NewOrleansSaints.com, Pelicans.com, and both of the two-team mobile apps, which are very convenient with regards to listening to this show and following your two teams in general anyway. Tomorrow's show's a good one. We'll check in with Kenny Albert. He has the play-by-play call on television this coming Sunday for Saints-Browns. 
on Fox. Kenny will stop by. He's been on our show before and is, he, and is a very good guest in helping us get ready for the football games. We'll also get you ready for the weekend fantasy football-wise as Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com makes his weekly visit with us and Daniel Sallerson regarding your fantasy football news and perhaps how he can help with your lineup for this coming weekend. And we're, we're already efforting right now to check in with Team USA Basketball as they continue at the FIBA World Cup in Spain. We'll hopefully have a report from Monty Williams and maybe Anthony Davis, too, on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. Special thanks today, of course, to our guests, Josh Hill, Akeem Hicks, and Kevin Jones from ClevelandBrowns.com. And thanks to you as well for joining us on this Tuesday. The podcast for the Saints and Pelicans is the Black and Blue Report. I'm Sean Kelly, and so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.